Well, hey, church. Hey, y'all awake this morning? Yeah, that's not convincing. Hey, up on your feet for a moment, would you? Come on. I know it's really hard to wake up this morning. You haven't had the chance to greet people around you, so why don't you take a minute, say hi to some people in your locale, would you? guys are in my locale. Okay, don't get too carried away now. Hey, let's start this morning with a little language game. <clears throat> Hopefully you're thinking and you're sharp. I'm going to start with a word and you just, um, you just tell me the opposite. Okay, you ready for this? Oh, wow. We are in for a doozy here this morning. Okay, you ready for this? I'm going to start with a word. You tell me it's opposite. Here we go. Hot, tall, hard, push. Oh, my word. Wow. Okay. Push, shove. <laughs> oh my, okay. Do I need to explain the opposite? Do I know? Okay, black, wet, love, okay. So we say that hate is the opposite of love. And it is, certainly it's not love, but there's a few opposites of love, and one that's more than just hate. There's another opposite of love, probably more common in our day and age than that of hate, and, and here's what it is, I just want to give it to you, I want you to think about it and ruminate on it for a moment. It's apathy or indifference, to not care. That's the opposite of love. And it's far from love, and it would be its opposite. And, and, and I know you might be saying, but it's not hate, and I understand it may not be as extreme, but it is the opposite of love. And truthfully, it's something that Jesus contrasted with love. And, and just to prove my point, I want to give you an example there's a, there's a parable that Jesus gave in the Gospels after he gave the two greatest commandments, and he gave these two greatest commandments when he was talking to an individual who, who was wondering what are the greatest, what's the greatest commandment in Scripture? And he thought about it, 
and Jesus answered and he said the greatest commandment and let's see if if you're a little bit sharper than the earlier quiz I gave you the greatest commandment he said in all of the Bible is to love the Lord your God with all your heart soul mind and strength and the second is like it he said to love your your neighbors yourself and so then this individual came out with a great question he says well who's my neighbor and on the heels of that was this tremendous parable that we've understood as the parable of the Good Samaritan. And he answered the question of who our neighbor is. And I just want to read for you a few verses that answer this question of the opposite of love. And it's in Luke chapter 10, and this is not our text for this morning, this just kind of primes us with the understanding that apathy and indifference is the opposite of love. In Luke 10, starting in verse 30, listen to these words in this parable. Jesus replied and said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him, they went away, leaving him half dead, and a priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and he saw him pass by on the other side, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. And he went to him, he bandaged his wounds, he poured on oil and wine, then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And so you realize that it was the Samaritan, it was the individual who, who really had no vested interest in the man who was on the side of the road who showed love. He was the neighbor. He showed love. The other individuals were the opposite of love, but they didn't hate. They were apathetic. They were indifferent. And Jesus didn't contrast love with hate. Jesus contrasts love with indifference or apathy. And he shows it's not okay that we just don't hate. It's not okay that we just don't retaliate. We must go to the Jesus extra mile. We must love like he loved. Love is the motivator of God. Love is the motivator of the gospel And God wants it to be the motivation of his people. And so he comes out with these awesome commands to love God. This is the two greatest commandments. I want you to love God. I want you to love your neighbor as yourself. So if you have your East Bay Weekly, here's the, the question is begged. Why love? Why love? And I want to give us four reasons why love. why love and and the number one reason is jesus commands it there's a number of places where jesus commands it we talked about the two greatest commands to love the lord your god to love your neighbors yourself jesus says those are the top two on those two things hang all the law and all the prophets those are the two biggies 
Jesus also commanded it in, in John 13. He says, a new command I give you, love one another. He commands it. If we don't love, we, we disobey God. And so that is one huge reason why we love. Number two, number two reason why we love God is love. 1 John 4. God is love. It is his nature. It is his essence. He is love. If we are to be like God, and here's the reality of it, if we are to be like God, we are to love. To be Christ-like, we are to love. To be godly, we are to love. God is love. Here's number three. It is evidence and here we sang about the Holy Spirit changing our lives, coming in and molding us. It is evidence that God's Spirit is changing us. There's these um, fruit of the Spirit Galatians 5 talks about. And as a kid, I learned about these fruit of the Spirit. And, and here's how the verse starts out. But the fruit of the Spirit, and the very first one, the fruit of the Spirit, the first one is love. So if God's Spirit is working in our lives, one of the very first things that we display in our lives is love. So it's evidence that God's Spirit is changing us. If there's no love, then it puts a big question mark, is God's Spirit changing us? And then here's number four. It is evidence to the world that we are authentic Christ followers. John 14, 35, by this all men will know. You are my followers if you have love for one another. It is evidence to the world that we are authentic Christ followers. People see that we love each other. People see that there's a difference in our lives by this relationship, by the love that we display toward one another. And that's direct from the words of Jesus Christ himself. Now, love is critical. It is the motivation of the gospel. It is why Jesus left heaven. It is why he took on flesh. It is why he lived among us. It is why he died on the cross for undeserving people and rose again. Love is the foundational calling of every one of us. We are to love God. We are to love people. It is to be oozing out of every pore of our being and yet sometimes, are you with me? Sometimes we get so busy. Sometimes we get so caught up in the everyday. Sometimes, hey, at home, you know you're supposed to love each other, but you get so busy with work and with chores and with projects. The very reason why you got married gets put on the back burner because you're so stinking busy. And let me just say another one. Sometimes even at church, we're supposed to love each other and you get so busy and there's so many things you have to do and you're running around all over the place and church can be really busy. I even found as a pastor... You can get so busy that you forget that you're supposed to love people. 
there's a pastor, John Haggai. He confessed one time, he said, one of the reasons why I held back from wanting to enter the ministry is I met so many pastors who, here's his quote, look like ministers. I have no idea what he's talking about there. He said, even every once in a while I slip and I look ministerial. He says, kind of slumped over, sad, down in the mouth, judgmental. He says, you know that look. Then he asked the question, could I be a minister and not look like it? And then he tells this little story. He says, a girl saw a fellow in line. He was rather straight-faced, serious, a little mopey. She said, excuse me, mister, are you a minister? And he said, no, miss, I've just been sick for about three weeks. That was a true story, I guess. I don't know. Sometimes we end up getting so busy and so serious, folks, we forget to love. Love is needed in the church because we all make mistakes. Love is needed in the home because we all have needs and challenges and shortcomings. Love is needed in your neighborhood. Love is needed in your workplace because friction sometimes gets too hot. Everywhere we go, love is needed. And so this morning, I want to take you to 1 Corinthians 13. I want you to see a significant passage of Scripture. I want us to look at a church that had a lot of ability and activity. But they missed out on an important ingredient. And it was ruining their church. 1 Corinthians 13. This is a passage that some people understand as the love chapter. This was right smack dab in the middle of a discussion about the spiritual gifts of a church. And it was written to a church that had many great opportunities and abilities, yet they forgot one key ingredient with which their ministry would have a negative effect on the efforts, on their community, and on each other. And I want to give you this one equation because this is basically the sum of the whole chapter, this one equation, and here's what it is. It's right there in your East Bay Weekly. God's equation. Anything minus love equals nothing. Anything minus love equals nothing. Here's how the passage goes. 1 Corinthians 13. I want to read verses 1 through 8. Would you stand with me just for this quick reading? He says, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. 
If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, and if I give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Now a good description of love. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. Father, I pray that you will help us to get a sense of the significance of love. Pray that you would help me to plod through my weakness. And in the end, God, may you be honored in our discussion this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a seat. Here we go. So what's inferior without love? I just want to navigate through this. There are three things that text talks about that are inferior without love. Here's number one, gifts and abilities. Verse one, now you may be looking at this and, and you wonder what he's talking about. If you see verse one, he says, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love. Now, what's he talking about when he talks about speaking in the tongues of men or of angels? And just to be plain, these were supernatural abilities given by the Holy Spirit to individuals to speak in the languages of people a language that individuals did not know or study. Now here's the reality. This would, this would have been a major, major event. Imagine you did not know, I don't know how many of you know other languages, you did not know a language and you by the supernatural ability of God were able to speak a language a literal language that someone else was able to hear God's word in that language. This is what they were talking about. At this point in time, the scriptures were not fully written. And so this gift allowed people to understand the message that God was given. It authenticated the message. It authenticated the messenger. It is what was called, and here's a code word for us, it was what was called a sign gift. It was a sign for unbelievers that this was a message from God. It was an impressive gift. Would you not 
Could you not believe that? I mean, that would have been an impressive gift, true? I don't know how to play the keyboard over here. If I went over there and all of a sudden just started playing a real song, an impressive song that made sense, you would say that would be pretty impressive, true? Yeah. I would even do it for an offertory. And so this would be an impressive gift. And the writer goes above and beyond. He says, not only talking in the tongues of men, but imagine in an exaggerated sense, you could talk in the tongues of angels. He says, if you had tremendous gifts and abilities, but he says, if you have those gifts and abilities in the church, and if you don't have love, He says, you are only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Here's my paraphrase on that. It's an annoyance. It's like the elementary clarinet practice. It's the junior high cymbal ensemble. This would be something painful to listen to. Talent, gifts, abilities without love, he says, is annoying. Here's number two. Knowledge and intellectualism. Knowledge and intellectualism. Verse two. More gifts. He says there's the gift of prophecy. This would be a gift that was given by the Holy Spirit where people were able to foretell the future. And there were individuals who had this gift. And in fact, some of the scriptures were written through prophetic means. There's prophecies in the scriptures in 2 Thessalonians. In 2 Peter there's a whole book at the very end of the Bible. Let's see if you're with me. There's a whole book at the end of the Bible that's mostly prophecy, and it is the book of Revelation. You could have the book, the gift of prophecy. He says you could fathom all mysteries. Hey, you have any questions, I can answer them. I can have all knowledge. I can have faith so that I can move mountains, he says, so I understand all knowledge, I have all intellectualism, I know it all, I can do it all. And he says, if you do not have love, even though someone can be superior in intellect and understanding, he goes on and he says, not only now are you not only annoying, he says, you're nothing. Earlier, the writer of Corinthians, Paul, says, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Here's a third thing. This one may be a little bit harder to grasp. Verse 3. If I give all I possess to the poor... 
and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love. I gain nothing. Now, this may stump us a bit because we think that helping and giving is love. But notice the motivation. There's an element of boasting that is here. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast. If it's about boasting and if it's about getting attention for ourselves, it's more about self-love than for loving others and any bit of help and care given apart from the purest motivation of love yields no benefit for the one that's giving. And in fact, that's what he says you know what, if we do it for others, but we do it out of a motivation for self-advancement, then it is of no gain to us. We gain nothing. Things done out of political ambition with an ulterior motive will do nothing in return for the one involved in the activity. What's inferior without love? Gifts and abilities, knowledge and intellectualism, and helping and giving. I'm just reminded of a number of stories that go along with these. I remember of an individual that I served with, this is many, many, many years ago, who loved to sing special music. And it was a really interesting scenario because um, this woman asked all the time, can I sing, can I sing, can I sing, can I sing? And what ended up happening, I'll never forget the evening that I was called by the police to have to go to her home for a domestic dispute issue. And it was her husband that had called and it was, of all things, because she was, she was beating him. And I, and I ended up talking to her about that, and, and we had to work through that. And um, it wasn't a week or two later, and she asked if she could sing in church. And I said, well, you know, there's something that you need to clear up first, because... You need to have a right relationship with your husband. You need to love. No joke, gang. Within three weeks, I had a call from an elderly individual who um, the same person borrowed $4,000 from the elderly person because they got an email from someone in Ethiopia saying if they lent them $4,000 right away, they would double it. And they could pay them back really quick. So they borrowed $4,000 from an elderly person, used it, and then obviously lost it. And then weren't able to pay the elderly person back but still wanted to sing in church. Now, folks, I can tell you something. They did not sing in church, number one. 
And if they did, you realize how much an annoyance that would have been. We didn't need their talent. Their talent would have done no good. We needed their love. I told you in the past about another individual speaking of intellectualism who knew all the answers. I couldn't debate this person. They were so smart. They knew every answer, every verse, every argument. Boom, don't even try to take them on. They would win everything. They were so smart, but I, but I also told you that their first three wives were not impressed at all. Intellectualism doesn't do it. And I think we're all inundated with a culture now of political photo ops. Just give me the hammer and give me the nail. Okay, take my picture. Okay, done. Now let me get in the van where it's air conditioned so we can move on to the next thing. And we're tired of that. We're tired of what's convenient. Instead of someone just helping and giving out of personal motivation, we want people to help and give out of love. And so the reality is, love is tough. And it's a real gut check for us, folks. And I know it here at church and in my life at home and where we are in our neighborhood or at work, everything we do, love is going to be the most difficult thing that we will ever do. And just think about this, all of our offerings, all of the songs we sing, all of the programs that we do, all of the meetings and the service that we do don't have the ability to stand on their own. They must be supported on, this, on the pillars of love or they just don't amount to anything. And here's the cool thing, though. I've even found that if you mess up a little bit, but if people know that you love them, it's okay. But love is the hardest thing you'll ever do. And some people look down on it or downplay it like it's fluff or weakness or to talk about it in church. Can we talk about tougher things or deeper things, but if you want to love like Jesus, it's going to be one of the toughest things you'll ever be able to do, and you can't do it on your own. You need to have Jesus in your life. You need to have the God of love in your life. God's got to truly be in your heart. He's got to do some big stuff in your life because it doesn't come naturally. I'm going to tell you this, that phrase down there in the middle is one of the biggest things to think about. The feeling we have when we made the commitment to love isn't the same feeling we have when we need to carry out the love. You understand what I'm talking about there? I can tell us in church, hey, 
Are we going to love today, folks? And we all say, amen. It's just like in, in our wedding day. Could be in a tux and she's in a beautiful dress and there's flowers and there's music and there's dancing and in that whole beautiful context, you make promises to love for the rest of your life. But the feeling we have when we made the commitment isn't the same feeling we have when we need to carry out the love. So when you make that commitment in the tux and the dress and the flowers and the music and the dancing, that's not the same feeling you have when he's throwing his clothes on the floor. Or when there's that purchase that is made that you never knew about. Or when they forget to tell you that they've invited company over. Or when they're three hours late from work. Or in church, when we make the commitment to love, and you know what, we're all in church and we're facing forward and everyone has their mouth shut. But then when we go out there and when we're doing this, And when things aren't necessarily our way or when when we end up getting in each other's way or when there's a challenge, that's when the need to carry out the love is there and it's kind of difficult. Here's what love is made of. I'm going to rattle through these really quick. Right from the text, you'll see them right there. Verse 4, love is patient. Love is patient. It means long-suffering or forbearing. It remains sensitive to people even when they get between us and our goals. Love is patient. Number two, love is kind. It means useful or gracious. And it suggests gentle behavior. It is patient, it is kind, it is selfless. <clears throat> Here's the idea it is, it is not envying and it does not boast and it does not proud. We we took those. It is selfless. It's not about us. It's not about what we can have or what we've done or what position we hold. Love is self-controlled. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It is self-controlled. not driven by a compulsion to win it's not touchy or irritable it's self-controlled and it's forgiving it's forgiving verses 5 and 6 mentions keeps no record of wrongs it doesn't delight in evil but 
always trusts, hopes, and perseveres. Love is forgiving. It keeps no record of wrongs. Doesn't harbor grudges. Instead, it forgives. It releases hurts. It doesn't delight in evil. And then lastly, it's full of encouragement. It bears, it believes, it hopes, it endures. There's such intense effort of love striving to keep the family together. That's what love does. It's hard work. I want to give you these three thoughts on love and then we'll finish up. Some thoughts on love, these three. Number one. I guess first thought on love before I even get to it. Um, thanks for loving me today. I haven't been feeling well all week. And uh, I feel like a televangelist up here just sweating like the Dickens. I'm still not feeling great this morning, so thanks for just limping along with me this morning through my message. Since no one's left, it means you must still love me. So uh, thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> Some thoughts on love. Uh, number one. This is a good thing. Don't take this as a negative. Our church has some work to do. That's a good thing. We did a survey a few years ago. Um, <clears throat> we have a lot of new people here in the last couple of years. How many of you did this survey? It's a natural church development survey. Can you pop, can you pop up on the screen that survey? <clears throat> Any of you remember this survey? Would you hold up your hand if you did this survey or want to admit that you did this survey? Okay. <clears throat> we did this survey um, about three or four years ago, and I don't even know how well you can see it. <clears throat> What's interesting about this survey is all the way on the left-hand side, um, our church noted that some of the things that we needed to grow in the most was affirmation and encouragement and a compassionate church. So just to be plain about that, the areas that we needed to grow in the most was love. Our lowest two factors were in the loving relationship Profile. Now, I know that we are getting better in this area. I, I, I know that we are. That crime in the church has gone way down the last couple of years. <clears throat> but here's, here's what it is for God. Love needs a chart at the top. By this, all will know you're my disciples. You have love for one another. Love needs a chart at the top. Love your neighbor as yourself. It needs a chart at the top. 
Love the Lord your God with all. It needs a chart at the top. Love needs to be the identifying feature of Christ followers because it's the identifying feature of Christ. It's the identifying feature of the gospel of Jesus Christ that he loved us and died for us. And love is why. It is why we do what we do. It is why we are here. It is why we give. It is why we serve. It is why we put up with each other. It is why you put up with me. It is why we step into inconvenient ministries. It is why we have people in Russia right now. It is why we do what we do. And you know what? We will be making some ministry adjustments and there are some additional things that we want to do. And I don't want us to think when we cast vision that those things that we do are going to do it for us. If we, if we say, you know what, we want to get people in parking and we want to get people all the way out at the end of the parking lot, that's not going to do it. I want to get people who love out at the end of the parking lot. That's what it is. I want people who pull in the parking lot to sense love the second they pull in. We're going to talk down the road about even some foyer expansion, and it's not because of a bigger foyer is going to do it. I want people to linger. So that way they sense love, and we can hang with them longer. God grows us to a certain point, and we talk about two services. I don't think two services just does it. But we want to create room for people to come to sense God's love here. That's all of what it's about. And so love is why we do what we do. And so our church has some work to do when it's, when it's gearing up to help with the pregnancy care center or with single moms and touching people in our community. Love is why we do what we do. And our church has some work to do. We've been growing in this area. We just want to keep the gears moving and keep the momentum going. And that's where our heartbeat is. Just want to keep laying that out. Here's number two. This is the thing I love. I love this. This is the beauty of it. Because some people say, you know what? I'm not really gifted. I'm not the singer. Or I'm not super intelligent. I can't speak in public. Well, here's the beauty. Love is a language everyone speaks. If you love, you can minister to anyone. I love this. We can speak to anyone if you speak love. And I know this for sure. Because my wife and I and family have hosted nine different kids from Ukraine that speak Russian. And guess what? We don't speak Russian. We don't. We say, how in the world do you host kids from Ukraine that speak Russian when you don't speak Russian? I'll tell you what. We do speak a language that they speak. It's called love. 
and Google Translate does help too. But they know love. And that goes a long ways. And you know what? If you know how to speak love, you can talk to a lonely child. You can speak to a single mom. Or you can talk to a widow. You can connect with a teen. You can talk to aching parents. You can talk to a busy dad. You can talk to an elderly person who's been ill for a while. You can talk to anyone if you know how to speak love. Love is a language everyone speaks. And here's the last thing that I got as we finish up. And you know I got to be sick because we're going to end early today. God's program for love is you. God's program for love is you. I, I don't have anything better. I really don't. I don't have anything better to offer our world. than you. And I don't think there is anything better. In your home, in your neighborhood, in your church, God's program for love is your personal touch building relationship finding the outsider making sure no one's alone helping people here's what I've come to embrace is that God has us in the people business. God has us in the people business. And we are to prepare our hearts to be agents that show His love wherever we are because God's program for love is you. When this vision is launched shortly, I don't have a program that's better than our people. I don't have something that's more impressive than our people. And in fact, I think that's the way God wants it. God wants our people to touch people. He wants us to be the agent of love. So in all of this, Father, 
I pray, God, that you would have our church continue to grow in the area of love. May the characteristics of love elevate far above any talent, any intellect, any gift. God, I pray that you would allow your spirit to work in our lives. May we evidence that you are changing us on the inside through supernatural display of patience, kindness, keeping no record of wrongs. And God, may our world see on vivid display that we are authentically yours, changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, showing the same love as our Savior. We pray this, God, in the name of Jesus Christ.